And welcome to a tale of two rivals, a fantasy football podcast where one rival is a wannabe stat nerd and the other one is a trash-talking, go-with-your-gut type of fantasy player. Our goal of this podcast is to find some kind of common consensus in our fantasy analysis that we can share with you, our fans. Um, I am Todd FF Banterman Foster, your old-school, block-out-the-noise, reigning dynasty champion, joined by uh dave ff underscore spaceman right and i'm your uh, wannabe stat nerd excel spreadsheet uh loser who uh you know who's always trying to get better in fantasy football and eventually get to that top get to that mountain i'm almost there todd i'm like a little miley cyrus song i'm feeling it so dave i just want to ask one real quick that that dynasty league i'm the reigning champ who's the commissioner that's me the best commissioner you are the best commissioner. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm sure there's better out there, but I'm, in, but I'm enjoying the league. I'm enjoying the league. You're a phenomenal commissioner, but how are you feeling about me reminding you that I'm your reigning champ? Todd, I have in my basement, actually, I'll call it my makeshift studio. I have just this, like, big Bowie knife that I just carve every time into the wall where you mention it. <laughs> and it's just like, just like a little reminder. It's like I tap it whenever I leave the studio. I'm like, I got him. I'm going to get him this year. So. I thought you were gonna start bragging about participation trophies. So I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're at least showing that desire that you want to be the best. Buddy. <laughs> All right. As I All right. I'm twitching when you say this, twitch every time. But ah, Dave, I'm excited. We got a couple of fun things to talk about tonight. We got a great cause we're getting involved in. We got trades to talk about. You're gonna share a stat with us, and then we're planting some flags, baby. Planting some flags. All right. Oh, I'm dying on a couple hills. I'm fine with that, but. Oh, I'm ready to die on a few hills, baby. I'm ready to be mustered up in this piece. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh, the best ball that we're now we're going to co-manage this? Co-manage. That's actually the first time I've ever co-managed a team. I'm a little nervous. I think it'll give us some good content for the podcast. But you yeah, cannot so- pick two people that are more different in drafting strategy too. Oh, it'll test <laughs> friendships. <laughs> We're going to have to come up with like a strict set of rules. Like maybe we'll just have to alternate or like some kind of tie-breaking system. Who knows? But there's going to be a lot of coin flips. <sighs> so well, right. I have to do some research in the probability of a coin flip. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Is it 50-50? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So we got invited by the at Fantasy Shack on Twitter um, to the first annual Fantasy Shack Autism Awareness Bowl. Um, 001, I guess. And uh, it's a $25 best ball league that has 96 teams. Um, so, and the, um, all of the money is going to the Organization for Autism Research. And that really t- uh, hits close to our heart. We're both in the special ed field. Um, we, we both worked in a residential program for autism. Yeah, together. That's, That's how we met. met. Yeah. So I think I'm really excited to be part of it. I'm, I'm excited to, to mention on the podcast, to talk about our strategy on the podcast in future episodes, just so, you know, this is, this is, clo- this is uh, my passion. I do a lot of things, um, extracurricular things for um, people with autism, and I just, I'm really excited yep. to do this. Yep. I, I've been involved with Special Olympics and Unified Sports. So um, yeah, we, this is a way we typically get back to our community anyway, so Getting to give back to something that's important to us and get to draft the fantasy football team is kind of a dream come true. Um, and I just love, now that I'm new to the whole Twitter piece of fantasy, it's just so cool to see such a positive community that's looking to make a difference through fantasy football. You know? So, um, yeah. And um, this is your first best ball team? My, I've never done a best ball league. 
Um, which is kind of crazy. I know you're you do a lot of things on play draft, right? I've done seventy five draft best balls that are like a <laughs> buck or something. It's like literally since like they opened it, I think in March. I like I did one at least like a couple times a week. It was just like there's a void in my life of fantasy football gone, and a best ball draft for a buck's a great way of doing it cheaply. So um, I need mean, yeah. experience for this too. I'm gonna have to rely on some of that. Like uh, I'm, bi- I'm going to be big into roster construction philosophy. To talk, to yep. talk, talk about the optimal uh, roster construction. You know, yep. what type of players yep. to target. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Give us yep. something to talk about besides this podcast. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But Dave, I, I think we just because we got we got to get to the flags. We do trades, baby. Trades. Let's talk about trades. Some big trades in our league this week. Um, you want to do yours I, first or mine first? Let's do mine first because a couple mine were mine were tough. They're like they're tough calls. So no. um, <laughs> I, I I trade away Tony Pollard, who's got a lot of hype this off season, for uh, Curtis Samuel, and I smashed success. <sighs> and um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited. So now I got Curtis Samuel, and we run five wide receivers. In the starting lineup, my fifth wide receiver is Mike Williams. Now I got Curtis Samuel. I'm like, I'm shopping Mike Williams. So I was able to shop Mike Williams, Drake and Balage, which that backfield I'm not really wanting to deal with. And my number one thing is, as I, I'm a contender, I still wanted a high 20, 21st, and I got the pick that would have been our 101's pick this year for the first round next year. So I have probably... Basically top three upside for next top, year. Top three, minimum top seven for first round. I got Chris Carson, who I think is um, probably the best player in that whole trades. Uh, Mike Davis and Humphreys. Adam, good old Adam Humphreys. Saying, uh, oh, I also own Cohen, which I'm sure everybody knows that they listened to last week. And um, yeah, so I was pretty stoked about that trade. And uh, uh, Father B... Our uh, our resident monk really yeah. uh, really really worked me over to uh, get what he got. So uh, he actually did a pretty good job working me. Like I didn't want to give up both of those Miami running backs, but I, I got a great package. I was happy with it. And you're not being facetious when you tell him he's a monk. No, he literally is a monk in a con- uh, in a uh, monastery at the college I went to. Uh, he did uh, my wedding last year. We're pretty good friends. I've run, I've done a lot of running with him. Um, so we're pretty close and. When I see the, that notification, I literally my head just dropped. I put my phone down, and I was like, "Oh God!" Uh, so I was, I was, I was like, "Come on, come on!" Not the twenty twenty. I, I didn't mind it, except when the twenty twenty first was in there. I was like, "Oh, come on!" Yeah, that's right. You could have got more out of that, but that's right. I hope it's two a time, baby. I hope it's two a time. Oh, two a time. <laughs> All right. So, but uh, that trade wasn't even remotely big compared to your trade, Dave. That's true. But before we get to my trade, I want to say, too, your Curtis Samuel for uh, Tony Pollard uh, deal. I, I mean, I think that's also a smash except, too. But I think this is where you got to know. I'm not sure if you actually knew this, but Richard is a huge Cowboys fan. Of course I knew The guy you made a trade with. And that's know your I think, league. Know like your it, league. Of course I know that. Dynasty 101 right there. Know your league. Know who their favorite teams are. Um, and you can do a yeah. lot with that kind of information. I think this is a perfect example right here. I, I would like to try a little experiment. I would like to create a fake player on the waiver wire as Emmett Smith Jr., right? And give him, like, a full fake, like, um, you know, he didn't go to Florida. Maybe he went to, like, Florida A&M or something. You know what I mean? So, like, you would know where he was. And then, like, see if you can get a third-round draft pick for him. You know what I mean? Just because his name's Emmett Smith Jr. But um, <laughs> them Cowboys fans, baby. No, Rich is an awesome uh, commissioner, uh, awesome manager. He did a really nice job rebuilding his team this season. Yeah, he, quick rebuild. Yeah, no, he's doing a good job. But, um, yeah, no, like, I mean, 
Pollard's got a lot of hype. I I love Pollard. Dave knows that like Pollard was like my guy. It's like my sweeper, and yeah. like it's kind of tough to trade him. But like when you get offered Curtis, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna say yes to that. Yeah. So, so that was a great move by you. Turned a what was a late third into an uh, like a. You know, he was a fourth round draft pick, Dave. Yeah. So I think you can. I think that's. I think Curtis Samuel might go for an early 2022nd, maybe a late 2021st at yeah. this point. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So anyway, now was my trade, trade, Todd. Which I we did a Twitter poll on the hair, and I came out so like two to one ratio. People were not in favor of my trade, so I did. I gave away Alvin Kamara and uh, Dante Moncrief for Joe Mixon and Calvin Ridley. Um, I'll let you go first with what your thoughts, and then I'll defend myself. I don't think it's a crazy offer to accept. Okay. Let me just put that out there. I don't think that you've made a bad move. I'm doing air quotes. We're on a podcast. There's air quotes, as I see, not a bad move. So my big thing is that, like, I am not a Joe Mixon guy. Like, I see him and sometimes ranked as, like, the fifth guy off in a startup dynasty. And I just say to myself, why would you want anybody connected to the Bengals right now as, like, your stud? Like, I just don't understand it. That is a team that is got a quarterbacks coach as a first year head coach. Um, his quotes are hysterical in the way he's handling these things. Um, I think that Mixon also does have a little bit of injury history. Uh, their line's awful. Uh, they just lost AJ Green so they can sack the box. I, I just and then Andy Dalton. Like I think Andy Dalton's an undervalued QB for Superflex. But let's be honest. That guy isn't their quarterback of the future. So you're going to see another quarterback change. You're going to see a coaching change. I like Joe Mixon if he was on any other team than the Bengals. Maybe not any other team. Like, if he's on the Redskins, I like him less. But at the same time, it's like, that's not a player that I'm really high on. I don't really like to like, to focus on players in bad offenses. Yeah, that's you know? fair. Yeah. And um, Alvin Kamara is one of the four untouchables. Well, I would say right now one of the three untouchables since one of the untouchables doesn't want to touch the ball right now. So um, that being Zeke, Barkley, CMC, and Kamara, you know. So for me, um, I don't think it's a bad move. But then the other thing that I don't really like about it is is that this is so ironic. Like we're having a role reversal here because I was thinking about Calvin Ridley last year and now you want Calvin Ridley's second piece. And... I think Calvin Ridley as the second piece to get Joe Mixon and you get Kamara isn't enough for me to move that. I, I don't even care that Moncrief's in that trade. That could be Kamara for Mixon really straight up and I say no. Yeah. You know, and like to me it's like that's just how much I value somebody like Kamara. And also like Kamara, not only the fact that like is he attached to that Saints office, that Saints offensive line could be the best offensive line in football. They could be better than Dallas. Yeah, they, I, they lost their center. He retired, and they drafted a second rounder. I mean, I think that they have the best pair. Lines. They have the best pair of tackles in football, Dave. And end of story. I mean, I'd take the. Uh, I mean, I'd still take a couple of defensive li- offensive lines over him, but I can't name off the top of my head. I'd probably yeah, take the Patriots' fair. offensive line over them. No, that's fair. I'm, uh, what I'm saying is, is like I would say between the Saints, um, the Cowboys, and the Patriots, you could yeah. make an argument for any of them. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, those are great offensive lines. Yeah. True. Yep. True. So, like to me, um, and the other thing too is like Ingram being gone. You know, like Kamara's probably going to get a little more. I mean, Latavius Murray's going to get his touches, but I, I think, you know, 
I, I, I just that didn't move the needle for me. So I'm not surprised. But um, go ahead, do your piece. So I actually just traded for Kamara, what, a week ago or two weeks ago? I traded Stefan Diggs, Darius Geis, and some change for Kamara. I think Kamara, basically. So I, I You have very, very short relationships with trades. Yeah, sometimes yeah, sometimes <laughs> I'm just a move to make a move. Um, so my thing with Kamara is I think he – so he saw a big touch spike in weeks one through four and Mark Ingram was out. He was at 22.5 touches per game. For those four weeks compared to the rest of the season he was at 16.7 mm-hmm. so i think that's a significant drop off and especially in the second half of the season where the last two seasons we've all we've heard sean payton say in my opinion you know is he talks about how he wants to manage kamara's workload i hear that consistently coming out of saints camp about managing his workload they signed pretty early on in free agency they signed latavius murray who i i i like latavius murray on the murray and the saints he was he was okay last year behind a really bad offensive line in Minnesota, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I love I love it. whoever the second running back on the Saints is. Yeah, period. and I mean, if you're going to put him, just <laughs> yeah. slide him into the, the the Mark Ingram role. I think he does he does whatever Mark Ingram did, in my opinion. And he was he's been one of the top three um, red zone backs as far as opportunity the last three years. So he could um, Kamara's seen a lot of red zone work. Last year, I think he had like seventy-two touches in the red zone last year, mm-hmm. and I could see, I could see the Tavius Murray cutting into that a little bit. And I, so I'm basically concerned about uh, workload. Latavius Murray, I think, can compete or take, you know, take into that workload a little bit. And also, Todd, have you seen on social media Alvin Kamara is a big fan of Airheads? Dude, that's not like new. That like- I know it's not new, but I'm telling you, man, I do not want my pro athletes, my number one overall player on my team. I don't want them eating airheads, man. I need some good sports nutrition. I don't want that on my team. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So first I, of all, I'm being told, first, this is a yeah. total joke. I not, do not believe that. <laughs> I, I totally believe that. But at the same time, um, two things. One, you're speculating that Murray all of a sudden is going to take work away from Kamara. And then you said Murray's as good as Ingram, which is ridiculous. I mean, I think I think he I think Latavius Murray is comparable to Mark Ingram. I think Mark Ingram isn't the same player he used to be. He took PEDs last year. I could see him falling off a cliff this year. That's the second most offensive sports take I've heard this week, next to somebody telling me that Tatum's gonna score more points than Kemba Walker for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, dude, Mark Ingram is like he's a Hall of Fame running back. Uh, what? He will be a Hall of Fame running back. Yeah, College Hall of Fame. Oh, David. Oh, man. I don't have time. I, well, I don't have time to dive into that. That is just... My my vision just blanked on me. I can't see anything right now. I'm just... The rate... No, but... Uh, no, no so, but but no, but I'm saying like Murray is a downgrade to Ingram. So expecting Murray to all of a sudden take more work than Ingram did doesn't make sense. So I don't think necessarily he's taking more work. I think he's just because of his ability in the red zone, I could see him getting more red zone opportunity, which is where I think Kamara gets a lot of his besides his receiving upside. I think besides the I think I think there's workload concerns with Kamara. I think also if Latavius Murray sees who's very good at rushing in the red zone. Um, sees more goal line carries. I think that's where I could see Kamara drop. All besides just that t- that touch decrease after Mark Ingram came back. So that's that's my rationale. And I and I'm very high on Mixon too. So that's only part of it. I, it's not like I hate Kamara. I still have Kamara as like a top. 
I think he's my probably, I have him ranked finishing like the sixth overall running back this year probably. Um, as far as my projections are concerned, I have Mixon finishing ahead of him. I'm very high on Mixon. So, yeah, I know, and I'm not. I mean, yeah. at, at the end of the day, like, like it's not a bad deal. I honestly think the Twitter poll was a little too slanted towards Kamara, but that's the interesting thing. I actually put that up there, but the reason was not. Uh, I mean, granted, I love to give you a lot of crap, but at the same <laughs> time, it's more about like how obsessed are people with Kamara. You know, like, I, yeah. I mean, people always like, I want the best player in the deal. That's what they usually say. Right. I mean, those four untouchables. Um, I another guys like how low are people in Gurley? Like those are things that are always interesting to kind of like just see where people are and see if things have changed week to week. Um, one that I threw out there today was is like what Julio Jones's like value in a super flex week for a quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. and somebody told me Baker Mayfield. I'm like, yeah, I would. That's ridiculous. Like, I wish you owned Baker Mayfield were in a week with me. So, but um, yeah. So. It's just nice to kind of like, kind of like gauge where people are at. It's just fun to me. Yeah. So my last, so I haven't even given my why I like Ingram. So Mixon, Mixon in only fourteen game la- games last year, he had eighth. He was eighth in the league in snap share, eighth in carries in only seventeen games. Mm-hmm. He averaged almost four targets per game, mm-hmm. which uh, and then he was twelfth in red zone touches and ninth in goal line carries. And he had a, a he had like twenty breakaway runs, so he's a big playmaker. I really like that, and I think you're down on their offensive line because. The uh, tackle out of was it out of Florida? Got injured. He blew in in mini camp. Yeah, I forget his name, so. but yeah. Um, I but they have the um, center I think out of Ohio State coming back. I forget uh, Billy something. I think he he was their a high pick for them last year at center, and he's coming back. And he did fine with a, either a worse offensive line last year. So I'm not really concerned um, about offensive line. I think Andy Dalton's coming back. I think that gives the offense a little bit is going to be a little bit better. I think I, I'll take Andy Dalton over Jeff Driscoll any day. Um, AJ Green, yeah, people are like, oh well, now people are going to stack the box with AJ Green out. Well, Tyler Boyd did an okay job filling in for AJ Green last year when he was out, and AJ Green's only missing four to six games. I'm not, I know, and I think that's being you know on the extreme side of how many games he's going to miss. So I'm I love Mixon's upside. I like I said, I haven't you know if he sees you know. 300 he could see 310 touches if he sees 60 you know 60 targets and he you know 270 uh, carries which is i think pretty mm-hmm. easy to do if that happens i'll take it all day yeah i mean i think jonah williams going down was a huge loss i mean pro football focus has him ranked as a 27th line dave i mean it, yeah. it's not a good line no, uh, and, he didn't and, do well with the line last year right. so i'm not too you know, yeah, and then AJ Green well. going down and like and like with a new offense. I just it just to me it's just too too clouded. And hey, Joe Mixon's a talented player. I I don't think that it's a trade that it's crazy to accept. I just wouldn't do it. You know. Um, so anyways, so with that said, so Dave, what's my stat? All right, welcome back, and let's take a look behind the spreadsheets in another segment of what's my stat. This is where I introduce a stat or metric uh, to tell the audience what the stat actually is, its significance, and how to use it for fantasy football. Before we dive into my Excel spreadsheets, I want to recap what exactly what we were looking for in a hashtag good stat or metric. Um, First, we'd like a stat or metric to be stable from year to year. If a stat has a high variance from year to year, this logically means it's harder to predict that stat in future seasons. So if something is hard to predict, it doesn't make a ton of sense to rely on that stat when trying to predict how a player, uh, how a player is going to do in the future. And number two is, if it's going to be a hashtag good stat or metric, it needs to predict future, future player production. 
it's all fine and dandy if we're um, we can find a metric that predicts if a player is going to be wearing short or long sleeves on game day. But if it doesn't help me draft uh, fancy players who score fancy points, then I don't give a bleep about it. Um, that being said, I know Todd factors in the player's style and uh, dress heavily into his fantasy analysis, so maybe that isn't for everyone. But uh, what can I say? So Since when? <laughs> Todd, you're very conscious about style. I know you, man. <laughs> I, I am very high on Cam Newton. <laughs> Oh well, yeah. He well, that's true. He's very he's very dapper dresser, very nice. So, um, all right. So now that the juices are flowing, um, sad of the week is Josh Hermsmeyer's air yards. And you know, before I get too far into that, I just want to say you know give some credit to Josh. Um, he cre- so Josh created. Um, he's a must follow on Twitter at Frisco Josh, and you can find his most recent work at five thirty eight dot com. Um, he's extremely, extremely smart guy who does a lot of advanced football analytics, which makes him um, his appearances on any podcast is a must listen for me. If I see it on the Twitter line that he's appearing on a podcast, I like almost I'll bump any podcast in my uh, on my list over um, down just to fit him in, and then I'll re- I'll make time to read any article he writes because it's just that good. Um, and he's also very witty and has a great sense of humor, which makes him a lot of fun to interact with on Twitter. So little shout out to Josh. Um, but anyway, what's air yards? Let's dive in. Uh, air yards. So, all right, I'm going to go nice and slow here because it's, it, yeah, anyway. So air yards, uh, they're the distance a pass travels in the air from the line of scrimmage and is both completed passes and incomplete passes. Um, I think of them as basically the receiving yards a player would have earned if he caught 100% of his targets and then he fell immediately to the ground. Basically like Mike Evans, who does, that's basically how he gets his points as he catches the ball and falls. So, does that make sense, Todd, what an air yard is? Yeah, so essentially it's like um, how far the ball would carry on whether yeah. it's completed or incomplete. From the line of scrimmage. And right, carry, it doesn't yeah. factor in yards after the catch, basically. So it's receiving right. yards minus yards after the catch. As you're so, talking, I'm looking up Mike Evans' yards after catch average. It's, it's pretty a, bad. People yeah. are, are for an elite. What people call it, consider an elite receiver. People are pretty um, harsh on. I, I'm not. I don't get as down on Mike, Mike Evans. But anyway, that's just the uh, yeah the jab people do. But um, all right. So now that we know what uh, we reviewed, what air yards actually represents, um, we need to take ourselves and ask why are they important? Why do why are we talking about this in, for this stat? Um, so. Why not? We, why don't we just look at a player's receiving total yards from the year before and add or subtract how many yards they will have will get based on how good of a season we think they'll have? You know that seems like a pretty good way to do projections or how you think they're going to have it receiving yards. But the problem with that is receiving yards aren't sticky year to year. They're pretty inconsistent. Um, they they fl- they're they're pretty volatile. And we can't. And I talked about this in the open. You can't use unpredictable or unstable metrics or stats. When you're making projections, because that just decreases the the uh, the accuracy of your projections. So, all right. So let's t- think back to last week's stat, which was targets, and how and a review of targets basically was is how they're the best counting stat we have to predict future fantasy points, and that's because targets represent the intention of the offense to deliver a ball to a receiver for a particular play, and it basically is a quasi representation of a player's skill because of all. That kind of encompasses in uh, receiving a target. Like you got to get open, you got to have the ability to catch the ball or go up and get it, and you know have ability to make uh, yards after the catch. So there's a lot that goes into getting that target and earning it. 
So it's it's kind of so whatever basically you think what targets are to catches or receptions, it's pretty similar to what reception or what air yards are to receiving yards. Air yards are the int- what the intended receiving yards are for an offense or a QB uh, intends. Does that make sense, Todd? Yes, it does. Okay. So essentially, like a target would have been an opportunity to catch the ball. Air yards is the yardage of what he came with the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. And there's a lot of fun things you can do with air yards. You can like divide air yards by targets, and you can get a dot. I might place a dot. Um, I'm not gonna get into that too much, but there's a lot of fun things you can do with air yards. Um, so there. All right. So why? But then you think, okay, air yards. Well, why does that really matter to the receiver? Isn't that just a QB stat? Like how well the QB is throwing the ball down the field? You think about it, elite QB like Aaron Rodgers. He should be able to throw the ball better down the field. So if you know if uh, Devonte Adams has a pretty good. Um, has pretty good air yards or you know joe schmo has pretty good air yards in miami offense um because ryan fitzpatrick is chucking the ball deep all the time fitz magic don't you think that's a qb stat well so josh josh hermsmeyer went and did the work for us and he teased out he looked at year-to-year um reliability of air yards and he and, you know he factored in despite you know despite changes in quarterback head coaches team changes so if qb goes to a new team um, increases and decreases in wide receiver competition for targets. So if they add a good wide receiver or they lose some targets in an offense, um, and even offensive coordinator changes, none of that really is having that much of a um, influence on air yards. So if you you know if you when you factor in those variables and it's still staying stable for that receiver from year to year, offense to offense, team to team, I think that when you agree that it kind of makes it the wide receiver's stat to own. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I could see it being that way. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm taking this in for the first yeah. time. I mean, yeah. for, for me, I do also think that that also plays to the quarterback, you know? So that's what I'm trying to say, though. When you factor out quarterback play, when yep. you, t- you know, there's a QB change. They go to a new team with a different quarterback. The air yards stay the same. But so they don't necessarily, but they might not necessarily say the same. But as far as as the, what the stats are telling us, the the R squared from year to year, it's very consistent, extremely stable. All right, I would have to see the numbers, but I mean, I could, I I could see the validity in, in diving into this one. Yeah. So, and so, what's great about air yards is so just that in itself, I think it tells you it's a it's another stat that tells you about. It's not as good as targets. Targets are the best, but air yards is a really um, is a nice second way to look at um, you know predicting future fancy points. But it's not just you don't want to just use air yards, and I don't want to get into that this week. But there's a lot of fun things you can do with air yards. But just a quick, simple for this week to wrap this up. How do, you know how can you know we've talked about how it's important, how it you know how, why is it important, and why, how it predicts for the future. So how can we use this as a fantasy player? What can what can I do with air yards um, to make me a better fantasy manager? And so what you can do is, a quick, easy way to do this is you go to airyards.com. It's a free website. Josh Hermsmeyer made it. It's a free website. And you go, so after week one, let's take a look. After week one, we look at how many air yards everyone got. And then after so you look at the air yards, like, wow, oh, they had a lot of air yards. And then you take a look at, um, let's say, let's look at, um, who do we want to look at? Let's take an Albert Wilson or a, a Travis Kelsey, perfect example last year. Let's take a look at Travis Kelsey's air yards from week one last year. They weren't that, I mean, they were, he had a, a lot of air yards. Well, I go take a look at his receiving yards. Josh, Travis Kelsey had a bad week one. People 
were doubt people were panicking about Travis Kelsey last year. His price dropped in, I believe, in DFS. Same thing with you know Adam Thielen had a pretty good week one, but he didn't. He still didn't score as much as the Arabs would suggest. Robert Woods, Christian McCaffrey, Zach Ertz, Albert Wilson. They all had a lot of air yards, but they didn't have what you would think the same amount of receiving yards. So basically, it's it's a Josh Hermsmeyer's buy low model. You go and you look at people who had a lot of air yards, but not a lot of receiving yards, and you just you know you pick them up. You maybe invest in them in DFS or in season long or dynasty. You pick them up, and you know you get you get fines. You get some some pretty good players that you can you can you can go going forward. So that's how I would use air yards. Um, and then also next week we'll talk about um, some babies of Josh Hermsmeyer. Some it's called uh, we've done this before, Todd Racer and Whopper. So we'll oh, talk about those. Great. Okay. And there, I mean, we've already done a lot of leg reg work, yeah. and it's going to be a pretty simple review of that. And yeah, so that's air yards this week. What do you think, Todd? Uh, I, I know what I like about the air yard stats. So I'm on their website. It was very easy to Google. So that so that was easy to find. Um, three out of the top four on my fantasy team. So that's pretty nice. I'll yeah. take that. And, um, any chance that you looked this up recently and were sending me all these offers for Julio Jones? Oh, Air, Julio Jones is a massive favorite of the air yards community. That's yes. one reason why I love Julio Jones. Me as well. Um, yeah, but the, the interesting thing, too, is, like, when you want to look for guys that, like, uh, for me, like, I already have, like, what I need for my studs, and this isn't going to, like, move too many needles for me. It might be able to get me, like, Evans over, like, Antonio Brown, you know? Yeah. Like, that kind of an argument, which that still is, you're going to get solid value with it, whatever pick you do there. For me, like, you look, like I noticed that Jarvis Landry is in the top eight, and then I noticed that Jarvis Landry. Surpri- that's a surprise, because he's had a historically a in Miami had a very low um, air yards, so and people criticize him for that. Yeah, but then uh, you see John Brown, who's now with Baltimore, and you know, so that's like another guy that's really intriguing right there. Always a favorite, and this is honestly, it's used a lot for best ball. It's a, I mean, not best ball, sorry. It's a, used a lot for DFS. It's a, where you find your three thousand dollar players, and you put them in your DraftKings lineup, and you hope they go off. That kind of thing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, no, it's an interesting set. I'm definitely going to dive more into this one. All right. All right. So, all right, Dave. We've uh, we've already gone half an hour in, so I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a longer one today because we got to at least do these flags, man. All right? We're planting some flags. We're planting some flags. So, um, you know, uh, fantasy footballers do my guys. Lots of other other guys do similar things to this. For me, like Dave and I always talked about it, is like you're gonna die on that hill. So um, these, and when you you know you get on that hill, you're gonna plant your flag, you're gonna stand on that hill, and you're gonna die with that claim. So um, for me, um, I'm gonna plant my flag in four guys, and Dave and I decided that we're gonna each focus on a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, and a tight end that are gonna be our flag guys. So with that said, we're going to start off with QBs. And because right, I'm touching... Can I interrupt you for a second? Go right ahead, Dave. Kind of one of the thing is, too, is that we would... Like, what makes it our... Like, kind of our guy or our flag that we're planning, we would take them, on average, a, a full round ahead of their ADP. Wouldn't you say that's how we're kind of doing it? Yeah, like, within that range. So, I'm actually glad you said that. So, that's the whole thing. These are guys that are extremely undervalued that we would have done, like almost a whole round before what their ADP is, or at least better than their ADP. Um, the way that I looked at mine is, because Dave and I talked about it, and did you focus mostly on redraft, Dave? I did both. 
yeah, both I'd, these guys qualify for both. Right. I mean, I might be more high for this guy as a redraft than a dynasty, but I'm high on these guys for both formats, you know? So um, I'm actually, I can say I'm high on my guys for all formats. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so... So that's the whole thing. We're looking at these guys as extremely undervalued players. So with that said, since I'm just a gentleman, I will let Dave go first with his quarterback, who was also a guy that I almost thought about putting my flag in for. Yeah. So I, he's a pretty popular talk in some, around some circles. A lot of, um, you know, J.J. Uh, Zacharyson is pretty high on him. Lamar Jackson, QB at Baltimore. Um you know, last year, just looking back at last year, I think he took over with seven games to go. Um, he was kind of thrust in that position in Baltimore, and he kind of just, they made that offense around him on the fly. You know, there was a lot of rushing. The routes, I don't think, were necessarily tailored to his strengths. Um, and over that span, he averaged 17 carries, which and for almost 80 rushing yards, 0.6 touchdowns, and 18 fancy points per game. I believe that's just, or, or no, so the, and yeah, so then if I extrapolate, if I extrapolate, let's start over. If I extrapolate that, which you're never supposed to do, across the full season, he would have 1,300 rushing yards and 10 touchdowns just running the ball. And this was all as a 21-year-old rookie. Yeah, as the owner, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I think one, you don't want him. I don't necessarily want him rushing the ball 270 times. That's he doesn't necessarily. I think he added some weight, but. I don't necessarily want him getting hit that many times as you know as a QB because sometimes when you're scrambling you get hit in more awkward positions in my opinion. But um, anyway, the Ravens now hired Greg Roman to design an offense tailored for him. They've had the whole offseason to tear this offense around Lamar Jackson's strengths, run routes that are designed for Lamar Jackson's abilities to throw the ball. Um, this is the same Greg Roman who was offensive coordinator during Colin Kaepernick's best seasons and Tyrod Taylor's and Buffalo's best seasons. So he is good with these running quarterbacks. Um, also, the Ravens added numerous offensive weapons and Marquise Brown, um, first-round pick, Miles Boykin at Notre Dame, and they have breakout candidate uh, Mark Andrews and last year's first-round uh, Hayden Hurst um, for offensive weapons to go along with like Chris Moore and Willie Sneed. And also at running back, they added your boy Mark Ingram. Yep. Um, and they already added Justice Hill to go along with Gus Edwards. Um and Don't forget about Kenneth Dixon. Is Kenneth Dixon? I thought he got cut. No, so he's still there. Buck hey, Allen got cut, I think, right? I think Buck Allen got cut. Yeah. So there's a lot of weapons to go with Lamar Jackson. And the thing was what I like Lamar Jackson. Right now he's being taken as QB 17 in redraft. And he's going 13th in Dynasty and DLF's August Dynasty ADP. Yep. QB 17 redraft, 13th in Dynasty. Uh, I mean, I think it's pretty... I think it's easy with so with his floor of his rushing floor every week he's makes in my opinion a safe play because of that rushing stability a Konami code as Rich Rebar likes to say um, you enter in that code and it just you know you and then you add on you know maybe a couple you know maybe he throws for two hundred yards and a touchdown or two and you're looking at twenty two points right there nice and easy like it's not hard to get him to twenty two points a you know a game in my opinion so. I'll take him at the, I think he can finish top five pretty easily. And then at that price, you know, at 17th in redraft and then 13th in dynasty, if he gets injured because he's running the ball much or say he just flops because he can't throw the ball, um, then it's okay. You go pick up another guy. You know, you could, you, you'd, you'd be, you can take the capital and spend it on another, you know, nice late-round quarterback. So it, it, if you pair if you work your roster construction just right, 
I think Lamar Jackson's a great guy to plant your flag in. I took him yesterday in an auction draft for 1.6% of my budget um, when Patrick Mahomes went for 13.6% of someone's budget. So, in a one QB league. So, I... I'm I'm, a, I'm really high on Lamar Jackson. I think he's a top five guy. And if he isn't, guess what? I'll pick a guy up off the waiver wire. No big deal. So it's interesting. So if one, I don't think he's going to be top five. Now, before we go any further, I own Lamar Jackson Dynasty. So I very much want all of this to be true. Um, a top five, I think, is a little high. Um, but I do think in a redraft league... So depending on how many bench spots you got, I actually... I know the idea of like go, dropping him and go picking up a guy... I like the idea of having him and another quarterback, but for me, be like a Brady or a Big Ben. And if you have a big enough of a bench to support two QBs like that, I like that because you can play matchups more than being able to just play matchups off streaming. Because I do, there are options there, but I like the idea of having more control in that situation. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I love Lamar Jackson. I, 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 I like how the offense is moving forward. Um, I think for redraft, he's an absolute slam dunk. I think his dynasty value, the reason his dynasty value is so low is because he's a running quarterback. And I want to say two months ago, I was having my doubts, and I was, like, shopping him like nobody's business. And, like, nobody wanted him. And then I was like, okay. Uh, you didn't shop him to me until I tried to get him recently and said, no, get out of here. Well, in all honesty, you also tried to get Julio Jones, Lamar <laughs> that wasn't Jackson. The, that wasn't the selling. But, yeah. but anyway, um, um, you were trying to take a lot from me. Um, at the same time, though, is like with that, um, with the running quarterbacks, you, you you obviously worry about durability, but you got to think about like in dynasty. Yeah, you want guys to be longer than three years. But if you're thinking like beyond three years to a certain degree, like relax. In a you know? one QB league, especially if you're if you're right. Like, oh, on, even in super flex, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, like, oh no, for sure. But dynasty. But right. QBs are worth a dime a dozen. Like you right. can't even get a third right. round pick for Philip Rivers right. right now in a, in a yeah. one QB league. And ne- and after next year's draft, like it's going to be a whole new ball game because and then the year after that, there's two more studs coming out. So like it, there's going to be a bevy. But um, I, I love the Lamar Jackson pick. Um, I, I think he's going to get a huge boost from the running backs, you know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so right. I'm a big so fan. So who's your guy, Todd? We so, spent a little bit more time than I would like to Lamar Jackson. Who's your guy? Who's your QB? So my guy it's a two-time Super Bowl champion, all right? And that is, well, first, his ADP. He's right now. So I looked at a two-QB redraft. And he was going around 68, which would put him as the late fifth, the late fifth, and that would be an 18th quarterback ranking. Dynasty Superflex, uh, which I used uh, Dynasty Football Leagues rankings, 18th QB there, going 63 ADP, so early fifth. Jimmy Garoppolo, he does have two Super Bowl rings. So I love Jimmy G this year because of the injury history no he's just fallen down is that you can go out and get him cheap and then reek some benefits here if he has at least plays 14 games you know um you're talking about an offense with a very good offensive line like a top 15 offensive line he has state we as his left tackle so he's going to have Somebody who's very reliable there. So one of the reasons I was going between him and Cousins for my guy right now is Cousins' line is just... I mean, he got killed in some games. And I love... 
a stable line with my quarterbacks. Now, Dave was talking about Baltimore lining up on, on weapons. I mean, San Francisco just loaded up this offseason. On top of already having Kittle, and I know Pettis is having a tough camp, you know, and McKinnon's down for a while. You still have Burita, Coleman coming in as a starting running back. That guy's been undervalued for years. Hurd showed off, like, in the first preseason game, showing that he's going to be somebody who's going to find time. Debo Samuel is going to be pushing for time. I mean, it's just a team that just so has so many more weapons than it did last year. And the thing that makes this whole thing worth it to me is not any of those guys. It's Kyle Shanahan, man. Like, he's definitely putting a stamp on that offense now. Yeah. And I think, what's this, his third year? Yeah, he's, he's one of the best play callers in football. All right. So, for stats last year, they were 16th in total yards, they were 15th in passing yards, they were 13th in rushing yards, and they were 21st in points. They had a tough time in the end zone. How many different guys started at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver on that team? They had literally no consistency. They were competing with an undrafted rookie quarterback in Mullins. You know? Yeah, he, he did okay for an undrafted rookie. Because of the system. You know, like he's the kind of guy that like he goes off and gets paid and then he's like away from Shanahan. You're like, was this Shanahan or was this Mullins? You know, so Jimmy G in that system with all those weapons, with a solid offensive line, Shanahan's in his third year of being able to put all that together. That's top 12 all day. That's the floor for me that he's going to be a top 12 quarterback. And and I would say that I would say top eight wouldn't be too shocking to me. So if you just look at where he was going last year, I think he was going as high as like QB6 and at DLF ADP in August yep. before his... So there's been a lot, a big swing in how people are evaluating him. And so that's one thing. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree that um, there's a lot of upside with Jimmy G. I love his... Pro, I, I mean, if I'm, streaming, if I'm streaming quarterbacks, Jimmy G is a guy that I'm thinking about streaming. I don't know who he's playing week one. But he's definitely going to be on a lot of waiver wires for people to pick up. So, especially in redraft, Dynasty, single QB, he should be really inexpensive to, to, to pick up. And if you're in a non-New England Patriots Dynasty League, you should be able to pick, or even San Francisco, you should be able to pick up Jimmy G for relatively cheap in a super flex. Non-New England Fantasy League. Well, because, it's I mean, amazing. well, your brother, who has him on his squad, is obsessed with Jimmy G. And I think it's his, his fandom is showing through. So, oh, yeah, that's why I, that's why I, I want to prefit, preface yeah. it with that. And number two, Todd, why I want to agree with you, why I also like your your flag plant here. He's got a little swag factor. He's seen on Instagram, you know, Absolutely he was dating a porn does. star, or he went on that date with that porn star. You know, that's some serious swag factor there that he think that he can handle. That he thinks he can handle that. I want my QB who has that kind of deep down self confidence, yeah. that nice, oh, that nice suave smile, and that sexy little. Oh, I like it. So I, I like where you're going with that one, Todd. All right. So, uh, the Patriots <laughs> make the lady swoon, baby. You know, but um, yeah, no, I'm I'm all about Jimmy G this year, man. All about Jimmy G. All right, what I went first with QB. Why don't you go first with running back? Who's your running back, or do you want me to go first again? I can do that too. All right. So this man, I said, would be a Hall of Famer, <gasps> and he will be in the Saints Hall of Fame someday. So Hall of Fame. okay. <laughs> so uh, all right. My, so now he's already he's already backpedaling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked up his stats. I was like, eh, that was bold. So, <laughs> so I love Mark Ingram. I do. I honestly think there's some bias here with me a little bit. But 
I love Mark Ingram so much. Um, I thought about doing Chris Carson. Uh, I thought about doing Terry Cohen. But, you know, you guys, if you listened last week, I've said enough about them. So a guy I'm going to stick my flag in is Mark Ingram. And the reason why is it's not necessarily like I like him more than a Carson or a Cohen. It's just that his ADP was crazy. It was, um, I had it at for, this is for Superflex, it was at 94. He was the 30th running back off. And for me, you're looking at a guy that for the second half of the year, he was the number 16 running back. So he's he solidified himself as a RB2 with a guy that was a top three running back. And then the year before that, he was a top four running back with another guy on his team. So he has consistency. And I think the other thing that people tend to forget about Mark Ingram because Kamara's there. He did PEDs. Did sure. I that? <laughs> eh, it's fine. So moving on. So anyway, so um, 50 catches in 2016, 46 catches in 2017, 58 catches in 2018. Guy catches the ball in the backfield. When you have a guy like Mark Jackson, who's still kind of getting his confidence as a passer, checkdowns are going to happen. So I love that. So he's a very good receiver. He was he did a lot of those did a lot of those numbers off of eleven point five touches. Now he's the man. He's the starter. You know. So like, and that's a growing offense. And I think that people kind of give him like he's ancient a little too much. Like I know twenty nine's a little older for a running back, but like he's got less like wear and tear than like Lamar Miller right now. He saw a lot of carries at Alabama. He's seen a lot of carries in the NFL at this point. I so for me, what I what I I'm much higher on Mark Ingram as your RB two in a redraft because if you're looking at him as your RB two in a redraft, you probably have a stud running back, three wides, and you already figured out your flex, or you already have a stud or or have a stud. Uh, tight end too and I'm happy about that now if I pick Ingram there I'm immediately trying to build up my running backs again but I I love the idea of him for him to finish somewhere in the top 20 this year or in the top 15 like why is that crazy I mean the guy's been putting up consistent numbers like most of his career and now he's finally the guy in an offense that's growing behind a very good line you know and it's an offense that's committed to the run you know, right, let's like, play a little game. Talk. Can we play a little game? Sure. All right. Mark. So Mark Ingram right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator for redraft, um, he's going ahead. He's going behind Chris Carson. You doing Chris Carson, Mark Ingram? Oh, Chris Carson. All right. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram. Derrick Henry. Okay. You also pick uh, guys that I would also consider. No, no. I'm just going. I'm going okay. up the list. David Montgomery or Mark Ingram? David Montgomery. Okay, Josh Jacobs or Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram. Okay. All right, and Marlon Mack or Mark Ingram? Marlon Mack. These are these are huge disparities, man. I'm just I'm no I'm just looking. Those are literally the six guys that are above him in ADP. So I'm just trying to figure out who you what, take. Him what for. list are you looking at there? The at Fantasy Football Calculator. The All redraft. Right. Let me tell so, you here. But so the one thing I will say to argue for Mark Ingram. Is that offensive line in Denver? I mean, in sorry, in Baltimore is probably one of the best offensive lines for running the ball. Marshall Yanda is a uh, is an All Pro guard. 
Um, they've got some serious guys up front. And then there's been a lot of correlations. The uh, I think Ma- uh, Matthew Kelly likes to say, the podfather likes to say, it's the Alfred Morris corollary with R- Robert Griffin III, that when you have a rushing quarterback, um, the defense tends to focus, has a spy a little bit on those on those option plays. They'll they'll just keep they'll stay in place a little bit longer to give that running back a little bit extra time to go and create more yards. So you get a little bit more yards per carry when you have a rushing quarterback. So I will say there are a lot of positives I think with Mark Ingram. All right, you know what, Dave? Not not to take away more time. I'm switching my pick. I'm over this. I'm, <laughs> You're I'm, over Mark Ingram. I'm I'm taking my flag out of Mark Ingram. I'm sticking right in Chris Carson. <laughs> Wait, did I win a debate? On here, on the Taylor Swift rivals, did I win? You did. You totally I, did. Oh, where's the music? We need a soundtrack, like some, you know, the marching band comes in. Uh, sing with your beautiful voice. You're the songbird <laughs> of this generation. No, well, to me, honestly, like, the only reason I didn't pick Chris Carson was is that, like, I talked about him enough last week. I love Chris Carson in the number one rushing offense. His ADP is lower than Mark Ingram's, and I would absolutely take Chris Carson's 10 out of 10 times over Mark Ingram. So, okay. my new flag guy. Is Chris Carson. And if you want to know my thoughts on Chris Carson, listen to the last episode. Okay. All right. (laughs) So let's transition to Sony Michelle. Uh, Uh, Sony Michelle, I was high on too. Yeah. I'm going to go quickly because I think we're running out of time here. So um, basically, it comes down to he's a first round draft capital for New England versus, and everyone's worried about Damian Harris, who's a third round draft pick. I'm going to take the guy with first round draft capital any day of the week over a third round guy. And then not only did Sony Michelle have solid college production profile, but he also shared the backfield Nick Chubb, so you even take, you know, you take that with a grain of salt because he had such high quality um, in, uh, carry competition in college. Um, and I think the big thing for Sony Michelle is people are worried about his injuries. Wouldn't you say, Todd? Oh, for sure. And the thing with his injuries is, for me, is he had that knee scope during um, during OTAs, I believe. He only missed three training camp practices. He's seen them, like I believe, 70 percent of the first team reps. Um, in training camp. Damian Harris has seen zero, I believe, zero first-team carries in training camp. And honestly, I'd be more worried about, and I think I've said this before, I'd be more worried about Rex Burkhead than uh, if I was a Sony Michelle, um, if I had Sony Michelle on my team. I'd be more worried about um, James White because he caps Sony Michelle's receiving upside. But like we've both, I think we might have mentioned last week how Sony Michelle was uh, seen taking... Um, running routes at wide receiver. So maybe he's getting a little bit in his year two with New England, a little bit more comfortable in the offense. He might start to see a little bit receiving upside too. Now, I don't think it's, you know, he's not going to be, you know, a 40 catch guy, but maybe he, I think he only had like six or seven catches last year. Maybe no, he, he, bumps he, up he can catch the ball. To fi- maybe he bumps up to 15 this year, 15 or 20. Well, the, right? the well, the reason what keeps his catches down is like systematically James White's going to get those yeah. the majority of those targets, especially so, in the in the important areas. There's going to be a lot of targets in the red zone for James White over Sony Michelle. So I think for the most part, like what you were saying to me before was, you think it's mostly the injuries. I think a big part of it too is just like the way that the Patriots tend to play the players. It's like people always say, take the least expensive player, right? Is that what they always hear people say? Well, it's more on the lines as in it's tough to figure out what the Patriots do with running backs by yeah. committee, but. But the thing about it is, is like they never always did that, you know. Like, like they've had plenty of like running backs that have been like the featured guy. I think Sony Michelle is hands above more talented. The majority of those guys, I I see Sony Michelle is easily over a thousand yards, easily over ten touchdowns if yep. he stays healthy. I think he's like Barrett Blount upside. If you look how they used yeah. him when that mattered most last year, Sony Michelle was getting the rock. He I think he has twenty plus touchdown upside, and you know it's gonna be more rushing. 
um, centric offense. People are saying with Brady getting a little older. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think he's. I don't. Like, I'm not projecting at 20. I'm just saying I think that's his ceiling. I, and I'm, I know where I'm a New England Patriots fan, but I like to think I'm a little bit more. Uh, I can be a little bit more grounded and, and say why you know with how many times they rush the ball. I think in limited time last year, Sony Michelle had quite a, uh, a number of red zone red zone attempts, and he didn't even play the full season last year. So then, so anyway, looking at his ADP, I uh, he's RB25 and. In redraft, going off the board at 412. I'd take him over Mark Ingram. I'd take him over Philip Lindsay. I'd take him over Josh Jacobs, which is really hot take. I know people would rather have Josh Jacobs over Sonny Michelle. That's not I'd hot take to him, me. <laughs> I'd take him over Devonta Freeman because I think Devonta Freeman is a smaller running back who's breaking down, who has a lot of injury history. I like Sonny Michelle, but I mean, I, I, I'm worried about those concussions. Um, and then also, I, I'm Damian Williams. I he he's a High risk, high reward player. I think I'd take Tony Michelle over him and Josh. Uh, yeah, and this okay, is a, that that no, sorry, that, in dynasty, in dynasty. Okay. I gotta say, in dynasty. Okay, Damian Williams you. is going ahead of him. Yeah, I would still take Tony Michelle over if him. If you're taking Damian Williams over Tony Michelle in dynasty, yeah. I don't no, know no. what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damian Williams is ahead of him. So is Josh Jacobs. So is Derrick Henry. I would take them over all yeah. of those in dynasty too. If you're taking a 27 year old running back who's never been a full time starter over Sony Michelle, who's shown that he has the capacity to be a starter for one of the best franchises in football, that's ridiculous. But my so. You know, you know, I would take over Sony Michelle. Who? Chris Carson. Um, I would too. Really? Yep. That's crazy. Okay. Really? No, I just, I really, you know, I, there's been a little bit of rumblings that Chris, I mean, rumblings, and I've seen, you know, I remember looking at the stat two years ago, and I thought that Chris Carson actually did pretty well as a receiving back two years ago. He um, did. So I, I like Chris Carson. I've, I've I love come up Chris Carson. on him a high. I actually got him for. Like seventeen dollars in a two hundred fifty dollars budget yesterday. I was I was pretty I was really happy with that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I, I love Sony Michelle. I'm ready to move on. To, I, I'm going to plant my flag there. Um, I know, and I'm not even. I if you remember too, I hated him as a pick too. So I'm not like trying to be a homer here because if you remember when that that came off, the, I was livid that the Patriots took a running back in the first round. So yep. I think I can put an asterisk saying that I'm not quite a homer when it comes to that. But right. Corey Davis, Todd is my wide receiver that I want to talk about, who I want to plant a flag in. Um, I feel like it's pretty a controversial pick um, for a lot of people. People thought he was really inefficient last year um, in Tennessee's offense. It's a really run-heavy offense. People are really down on Mark, or Marcus Mariota. Um, and why I want to do – why I love Corey Davis is because, one, I loved him coming out of college um, – he had a 96 or 94.5, no, yeah, I think it was 96 percentile or something like that, um, college dominator, which is basically his college production. Um, he took up 96% or his 96 percentile. Oh, I'm butchering this. Let me start over. Corey Davis had a 96 percentile college dominator, and college dominator is basically the percentage of receiving yards and, um, and touchdowns Corey Davis had in his best year in college. So that's. Corey Davis was in the 96th percentile in that stat, which is so I love his college production. Then I loved his draft cap at 105. I actually still love Marcus Mariota. He had that nerve damage last year. That if if you, I mean, I don't know how. And he also had Blaine Gabbert to deal with as, as a quarterback. I I'm I'm still I'm still high on Marcus Mariota. I am ready for Corey Davis to continue to ascend. I'm a little disappointed he didn't break out totally last year. So I've lowered my expectations. I originally thought he had top five wide receiver upside for dynasty purposes. I don't see that anymore. I think he should have broken out 
by now if that was going to be the case that kind of talent which i would like to think shine through more but last year he had 94.5 percent snap rate he had 112 targets which is a which is 26.4% of the total offensive targets in Tennessee. That's eighth in the league. Eighth in the league. He had a 16.8% of the red zone target share um, and an offense that was 30th in pass plays. I think it rebounds this year. I'm excited. Um, I don't see the problem is I don't have him as that. I don't think he's at wide receiver one upside. I think he's a mid wide receiver two upside now. Um, and why I love him, he's going as wide receiver 42 in redraft. He's going... Um, I'd probably take him as wide receiver 30. I'd take him over Dante Pettis. I'd take him over Will Fuller. I'd take him over Marvin Jones, Larry Fitz, Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel, Geronimo Allison, MVS, Didi, Sterling Shepard, Sammy Watkins. I'd take him over all those guys in, in redraft. But I don't. But the thing is, I don't have to. I can get him in wide receiver 42. And same thing, his dynasty price has actually stayed pretty steady. He's wide receiver 23. I had some trouble figuring out who I'd take over him. You could maybe convince me Kenny Galladay, but I don't think so. I'm a little down on Kenny Galladay. And I'd take him over Mike Williams, which is, I think, a little bit of a hard take. But Dude, given like the fact he's in his third year and the disparity between his his redraft and his dynasty ADP is just insane to me. It's crazy. And that's people because give people a lot of people give wide receivers more time to break out in Dynasty. I think that's why. It's such a bad passing offense, man. It's such a bad passing Mark, offense. Marcus Mariota was one of the best quarterback prospects we've ever seen. That's I'm a, I'm high on Marcus Mariota. He's extremely he was extremely accurate. Um, that nerve damage. The problem is he keeps getting injured. I'll get. Uh, he's got to be smarter. Um, and if honestly, so if Marcus Mariota stinks, he I think this is his last year of his contract. They can draft. They'll draft a guy next year if they have to. And then I'm we start that, the, or we go with the Ryan Tannehill uh, era. Like, oh, I don't think. Oh, I don't want to say yeah. that, Tim Hiller. But anyway, yeah. I just think, and also if, I will say the negatives. There's a lot of more people there now compared to last year, so yep, I can see that. Yep. But I'm still planting Brown. the flag. Yep. McCoy Davis guy. Yeah, I I'm not. But um, if I had him in dynasty, I'd be looking to sell for the people like you. So I, I trade. Um, see, I traded him in both my dynasty leagues this year. So it's funny that I yeah. I said he's my flag guy, but I traded him. But yeah. <laughs> So for me, um, I won't go with Robbie Anderson. Some other guys I, I thought about were Curtis Samuel, Tyra Boyd, and Allen Robinson, all guys I'm high on. Uh, I didn't pick those guys because if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've had plenty of takes on those guys at this point. Um, so Robbie Anderson's a guy that you know everybody's aware of, but I really don't think he's been getting a lot of like noise um, in the offseason, which is crazy because um, in our dynasty week he ended up being the wide receiver two for playoffs and um he just came off on fire for the last like four or five weeks of this year he ended up being he won me the, a championship last year my only championship yeah. i got last year he won it for me picked him off the waiver wire all right dave ready i'm counting five weeks for his the last five weeks of the season he was the wide receiver eight so uh his adp in dynasty right now is a hundred so he's the 35th wide receiver. Like, he's, like, barely considered a wide receiver three. And then in a redraft, his, in a 2QB redraft, it's 87. So then he's the 24th wide receiver. No, excuse me, 29th wide receiver. So you're looking at a guy that should be a wide receiver two that's being treated as barely a wide receiver three or, like, a middle wide receiver three. Now, let's also talk about his production last year where he had 50 catches 750 yards and six tds right 
How many games? Oh, he played 14 games. Okay. Yep. He played. Oh, yeah. Last year he played nine. I have him for 2018 as 14 games, but okay. Let me work that off. I don't know what's going on with me today here, David. But, uh, yeah, so with Robbie Anderson, um, let's see here. Um, so, yeah, when you look at the 50 catches at 752 yards and six TDs, that's pretty comparable to when he broke out. Oh, my bad, Dave. He started nine games. He was only started nine games last that's year. True. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And um, so. Not to, I didn't mean to throw you off your groove. So. I don't care. That's fine. Um, so. When he had that mini breakout in 2017, right, he had 63 catches, 941 yards, and 7 TDs. Now, the difference here is is about 20 targets. So, to me, like, he ended up getting less targets but getting similar production. And the big thing that really brought it together for me is, like, it's Sam Darnold. Like, I, he almost became my QB to talk about today, but I'm just so much higher in Jimmy G. Sam Darnold started becoming, he was a very good QB towards the end of the year. You saw the you saw that repertoire coming out from Rob from um, from Anderson. He is a great go-route receiver, so you know he has the ability to put up TDs. Um, so you know he's the wide receiver one in that team, so you know he's going to get target share. Um, the TDs are there, and there's room for more targets. And then you also look at the same Darnold improving. Now... The things that limit Robbie Anderson from being more than he is is the route tree, and he plays for the Jets. So yeah, but, so t- but I saw but, today. Did you see the news today out of camp? No, I did not. They're they're talking about running him more underneath this year too. Yeah, and the thing is too is like he gets in the space, he can be a burner, man. But they also improved. They just put in Crowder. They just got Le'Veon Bell. Like you know, this is a team that's not the same team as last year. So I really like what Robbie Anderson offers at that ADP. If I'm walking in and Robbie Anderson's my wide receiver three, I'm pumped because I feel like I just have two wide receiver twos on my team. I am not, and if I'm getting him as a wide receiver two, I have one of those stud tight ends, and I'm deep as heck at yep. running back. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, the thing is, is you know, too, is you talk about that upside that he has based on those last couple of weeks. He's signed. Um, also, New York Jets, their secondary isn't very good. They, I feel like they're going to be playing from behind a lot. Yeah, they have to throw the ball a lot in New York, so that means a lot more. You know, a lot of air yards, a lot of targets for Robbie Anderson. Yeah, they actually. You know what the other thing about the Jets is too is they put they have the sec they they're tied for the second weakest schedule in the entire week. They're 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 going to play yeah. some cupcakes, dude. You know, the only problem with that is, have you seen his 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 cornerback matchup for this year? I have. I've seen some That's of them. The only problem he's got uh, Trader, uh, the white out of for the Bills. He's got. Um, the guy, the the high draft pick for Cleveland, um, that at Ohio State last year, he's gonna face, he's gonna have to face Stephon Gilmore twice. Um, he's gonna have to face the, the Cowboys. Want you know, he's got a tough, tough Xavier Howard twice. So, but in my opinion, I don't really look too much into that. I just, I just saw I that someone said it to me yesterday because yeah. I picked him up in a redri- in a auction for ten bucks. Yeah, I was excited. I and I'm all about Robbie Anderson as you know, if he's your wide receiver too, you gotta be stacked some other places. Yeah. Or like, you know Great wide receiver three option too. Yeah. That, 
he is the perfect wide receiver three option in my opinion you know and then if you go and get like robbie anderson as your wide receiver three then like be confident going for that guy your wide receiver four maybe you're uh you're a metcalf guy i don't know why you are because you i don't know you just oh, love people oh without gosh. shirts on but um i mean but go get him like you have robbie anderson robbie anderson is going to keep you safe you know yeah, well the only thing dynasty wise i love him for your dynasty i think he's got a little bit of a player conduct issue so he could be faced with it you know he hasn't done anything recently but if he ever re reoffends or something, he might be faced with a pretty long bit, uh, suspension. That's it. Though. So here's my only thing about him with, with with Dynasty is the price is low. Like like what do you feel exactly? Would, but, exactly, it's beautiful. But that's my whole point is that like you literally can go get Robbie Anderson and like not really risk a lot to get him on for, your Dynasty for team. a for a third. Yeah. For a late second? Right. And they just picked up a guy that used to be one of the three best running backs in fantasy. They have a quarterback who, out of all those rookie quarterbacks, is by far the best passer, you know, from last year. I mean... Oh, not better than Baker. Oh, my bad, dude. Yeah, sorry. He's in a... So I didn't want to have to do that No, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Baker's, like, not in that class anymore. Baker graduated. He's on the bigger and better things. I'll say this. Future Hall of Famer Baker Mayfield. I'll take that one to the bank. (laughs) I'll just... I don't know. Oh, all right. O- only if Mark Ingram is in there. Um, no, man. I mean, I just love Robbie Anderson. And you know what the thing about it is, too? is like, like I don't really like Robbie Anderson, to be honest. It's just his ADP, man. Value can't be it, It's his value. value. Like, I'm not a fan of Robbie Anderson, but I'm a fan of that ADP. Um, you know what, Dave? For tight end, I'd like to go first because mine's really easy. Yeah. All right? My tight end is Kyle Rudolph because nobody wants Kyle Rudolph. It's amazing. Oh, great pick here, Todd. Yeah, I mean, in Dynasty, he's the twentieth tight end. He's at his ADP is hundred and seventy-one. His redraft, he's the fifteenth tight end, which literally means you should not draft him at hundred and forty-five. Last year, he was the tight end six, and then the year before that, he was the tight end seven. And Irv Smith is going to need a year to produce. A year? He's going to need three years yeah. to produce. He's going to finish as a tight end one this year. If you're in redraft, like, I might pick a kicker in, the, like, the second to last round because I know I'll pick Kyle Rudolph last. A lot of red zone opportunities. Tons. A lot of red zone opportunities. So, like, he's in a great offense. He's always been consistent, you know. And the thing is, too, is, like, so the interesting thing is with his, the new deal he took he took on like an extra like 1.7 mil, and then the reason is is that Minnesota can make that touch and then like push him off, right? And I think that the reason why people down downplay him in Dynasty is he's 29, and then Irv Smith's there, right? Tight ends play to their little older. I'm not too worried about a 29. Exactly. Tell me that Kyle Rudolph gets cut and that he might not be a Patriot. You know what I mean? Like, that is, like, a guy that, like, okay, I know I'm a Patriots fan. I know I'm projecting here. But just a player of that caliber ending up on a team that's, like, we're, like, a red zone tight end away. Kyle Rudolph's not going to break the bank for us. And he's a great pro. Kyle Rudolph's got three or four good seasons left, man. So, in Dynasty, go get him. I have him. And, like, really, what could you give up to get Kyle Rudolph? A third rounder? If, yeah, a tight end premium, you give up a set, like a, you know, I think you can give up like an Austin, you know, yeah. Austin Eckler easily to get Kyle Rudolph. You probably didn't have to give it up that much to get Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, well, my whole point is that, like, what Kyle Rudolph is, is like, like he's just, 
Like, like, when all of a sudden did Irv Smith start turning into, like, Tony Gonzalez? Like, what's happening here? Like, I... Yeah. People... This is... We talked about this in our first episode about knowing contracts. Yeah. And if I'm looking at right now, he has a potential out after this year, but it carries a $5.8 million dead cap. There is no way to save $4 million my... uh, Minnesota's dr- cutting him, and in 2020, his he, it's another 5.8 million dollar cap hit, and it's a 4.3 million dollar cap hit in 2021. I could maybe see in 2021. The earliest I see him leaving Minnesota is 2022. I'm sorry, people. I understand freaking contracts. Well, my whole point though too is like that's actually, in my opinion, like a manageable hit if you're looking to I don't know move on. I never. I'm not taking a five million dollar cap no. hit ever unless it's. But That's here's a lot of mil- But did my before we move on to yours. So in redraft, these are the guys going in front of him. Hawk, who's a rookie tight end, right? Greg Olson and Trey Burton are all going in front of Kyle Rudolph. It's just like disrespectful, man. Just disrespectful. I agree. But um here's my other thing about Kyle Rudolph and why I'm picking him. And this is my my public service announcement for our listeners. Stop chasing tight end unicorns for the love <laughs> of god all right if you don't get one of those top three guys do not go pick oj howard over a wide receiver too don't do it yes i like hunter henry too but there's probably somebody better there's your not in a snake draft auction draft it's different but snake draft i agree a thousand percent ridiculous dude like oh my god build your tight build your wides build your running backs Go draft Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph gets hurt. There's at least 12 guys that started tight end on your waiver wire. I mean, for the love of God, there are three tight ends that are worth draft capital at this point. Okay? You don't get them, punt it. Stop chasing unicorns. He's not a sexy unicorn like you're talking about. But, Todd, sexy doesn't win championships, man. Yeah. I I have him on my dynasty team, and I'm a champion. Yeah. I mean, but he's, you know, first off, he's a very good-looking human being, I believe. And then, two... I, he's just you're right. You can't miss. You can't beat that value. So I agree 100 percent, Todd. Anything else you want to say about Kyle Rudolph? Draft him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> to, to wrap up our flag planning, I mean, I I wish I could. I'd be right there with you on the hill, Todd, playing that flag right behind you. So, but um, Austin Hooper, I think, is my guy. Um, I really like Austin Hooper. I think I, I do too. Pro, I do too. I looked up a Pro Football Reference. I think he finishes a tight end seven last year. I'm not 100% sure on that, but that, I looked it up quickly. It was tight end 7. Um, he Right now in redraft, he's going as tight end 13. I, I'm drafting him over Njoku, Walker, McDonald, Cook, Ebron, Burton. I'm drafting him over all those guys, personally. I want a piece of that Atlanta offense. If I can't get Julio, I'm definitely making sure I'm getting Austin Hooper in the at, at tight end 13. I, I'll, draft him at, I'll, I'll draft him at tight end 8 just to make sure I get him. And I'll draft him at tight end eight, at pick not you know round, ninth round or something like that. No problem. Here, here's a format we don't talk about enough. That when I say Hooper, Hooper is like a priority for best ball. Absolutely a priority for best ball. And that touch of that offense and like he had some huge games, you know. So I don't get it. He has a great build. So look, I'm just looking at his build. He's 6'4", 254. Great arm length for a tight end. 77 percentile. He was a third round pick out of Stanford. He's only 24, almost 20. He'll be probably 25. Um, in October, I think. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't really come off the field very much in Atlanta. He has 80% of the snap share. Um, 
fifth best team pass plays in Atlanta last year. Um, he saw 88 targets. Um, he had a 14.6% target share. You know, he had saw you know 13 targets in the red zone. Uh, I like the I like that upside of being in that offense. They're gonna they hopefully you know if Devonta Freeman hits or Brian Hill or Edo Smith hits, that offensive line got better. They should be able to get more red zone opportunities. I'm not 100% sold in that that defense, so there should be a lot of shootouts in that zone, in that um, in that on that turf. There should be a lot of throwing, a lot of high-powered offense in the NFC South, in my opinion. Tight end 13, no uh, no doubter for me as far as redraft. And I think in DLF Dynasty ADP, he's tight end 10. I'm taking him over Ebron. I'm taking him over Njoku. I love Njoku, but I'm still taking Austin Hooper for, over him. I, I know Njoku. I'd take. I'm sorry. I'll take him over Hawkinson. I know people love Hawkinson, but I, I think it's going to take a little while for him to develop. I'll take him. I'll even. I was actually kind of surprised. But I'll take him over Hunter Henry. Book it right now. I'm taking Austin Hooper over Hunter Henry. In dynasty, so, in dynasty and redraft. Okay. I don't think. Wow. I, there's a lot of. Hey, there's a lot of promise. There's you know there's a lot of hope and dreams in Hunter Henry. Not a lot of production so far. Are you gonna like drop drop uh, draft like Hunt, uh, Austin Hooper in our redraft league like in the sixth round and we have and we have Charles Johnson all over again? No, I'm actually keeping Hunter Henry in the last round. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all about value. But I mean, as far as a normal redraft, I couldn't get. I uh, I went. Yeah, I love Hooper. I love him. Oh so. my god, that's amazing. I couldn't. I think we could wrap <laughs> wrap oh, it up man. on that one. All right, so. To sum it up, our flag guys are Dave's are Lamar Jackson, Sonny Michelle, Corey Davis, and Austin Hooper. And my flag guys are Jimmy G, Chris Carson, for me, Mark Ingram. <laughs> Wide receiver is Robbie Anderson, and go draft Kyle Rudolph or trade for him for virtually nothing. And I had a blast tonight, Dave. Yourself? I thought we did a pretty good job today. I'm I'm excited. I thought we were a lot. I I liked your delivery a lot more this week. I think we're getting a little bit more comfortable in our roles, and I think we're just getting more comfortable behind the microphone. I'm 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 really happy with how things are going. We've got a lot of great inter, um, feedback from people. We appreciate everyone who's um, liked or reviewed our our podcast. We've had a lot of downloads. We're excited. Yeah. Hey, give us feedback. Tell us what you want to hear. Dave and I are just really just loving the idea of just being able to share our thoughts and opinions with people. We just we love fantasy football. We love people that also love fantasy football. That's all there is to it. And um, yeah, so check us out on Twitter. Uh, you can look at our handle at a tale of two rivals. Uh, my handle is at ff underscore banterman, and Dave's is at fff fff no at ff underscore spaceman. All right, so. I'm one of your hosts, Todd Foster, signing off. David, what do you want to say to the lovely people? Guys, I, I won a debate tonight. I won. I won. It will never happen again. <laughs>